this next season in my life as a pastor and in our life as a church is going to be marked as a season where we learn and yearn together to depend more desperately on the Lord than we ever have. Because our God is a great God. We are continuing this morning our um, season of seeking God together in prayer. And if you missed last week, I would highly encourage you to go and find uh, a way to be a part of listening to that um, online. Um, we are not just in a series, but in a season where we are praying together um, that God would allow us as individuals and as a church family to be more dependent upon Him. We are longing uh, We've got the question that the disciples had that we talked about last week in Luke 11, 1. Lord, teach us to pray. We are longing above all the things that we are known for as individuals and as a church family. We are longing to be known as people who live in dependence upon God, as people of prayer. And that is our heart uh, in this season. We have a definition of desperate dependence, and with the nature of last week um, and how I felt that God was leading me to share um, from the word and from my experience. I didn't talk about this, but I do want to mention that um, you're going to, I hope, see this uh, throughout the series and really begin to understand it more and more. But this is not something we made up for this series. It's something that actually is a mark of authentic discipleship that we use to measure uh, the, the effectiveness of our ministry. And uh, we long to see this in the life of you in the life of our church, uh, but we say it like this, desperate dependence, a posture of abiding in God's presence, longing for his power, and depending upon his promises. A posture of abiding in God's presence. We talk about a posture here because we talked last week that prayer is not just an activity, it's really a state of our heart. Prayer is a posture. We are to pray without ceasing, God tells us in his word. Which means that in every moment of every day, we have this communion with God and this recognition that our, our life is dependent upon him and this longing for more of him. A posture of abiding in God's presence, longing for his power, and depending upon his promises. So I hope you'll write that down and just consider it because um, I do think it's important for you and for our church family uh, to all be moving in the same direction together. John chapter 14 is our text today. And if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to open to John chapter 14 and I'll read from the English Standard Version. We studied the Gospel of John not long ago together, and if you'll remember, this is Jesus teaching his disciples here in this section. He's teaching them uh, what it looks like to be the people of God that God originally intended them to be. What does it look like for you to be the person that God designed you to be? Jesus came to restore us, to redeem us, so that we might be those people. And He's making his way toward the cross, and he's preparing his disciples for what life is going to look like after he is no longer physically with them. There's a lot of things that 
Jesus teaches along the way in early these first few verses of chapter 14, he talks about how he is going and the disciples get all befuddled and confused trying to figure out what does this mean and will they get to be with him and he reassures them that of course they will. And Philip said to him, verse 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else, believe on account of the works themselves. And listen to this, verse 12 and 13, 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Let me read those verses again. Verses 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Similar verses are found in chapter 15. If you just go over to chapter 15, look at verse 7. As Jesus continues to teach his disciples, he continues to reinforce this very thing that he's trying to help them understand. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. Flip over to chapter 16, verses 23 to 24. As he continues teaching, he says to his disciples, Speaking of the time when they will have to trust him, not just his physical presence, but his indwelling spirit, they will have to live just as you and I live today, desperate and dependent upon him. He says, in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. We're talking about a season of desperate dependence and a season of prayer. And I don't know about you, but I mean, his teaching is pretty clear. (laughs) What Jesus is teaching here is that as his followers, we're to know that he wants us to ask of him. 
We can't come to him and ask of him. And he's saying we should ask in his name, and when we ask in his name, he'll fulfill what we ask for. Pretty clear, right? Any other questions about that? Except that I can think of a ton of things in my life that I've asked for at some point or another and prayed it in Jesus' name and yet haven't seen some of those things fulfilled. Is anybody else in the room willing to admit that? Okay, the rest of you need to do some uh, <laughs> honest confession, okay? How many people pray at the end of their prayer, they use the phrase, in Jesus' name, amen? And I really am asking, how many people do that? All right. Why do you do that? Do you do that because... You feel like that's what you're supposed to do? Do you do that because that's the way your mama or your daddy used to teach you to pray? Do you do that because it's just kind of what you've heard patterned in your life um, from other places? Do you do that because you think in some way that little phrase, if you just add it on to prayers, in that phrase is the power. I remember as a young kid and more like an adolescent. Anybody ever regret their adolescent years? <laughs> Man, that's an awkward season of life, is it not? Um, I remember like learning to, I think it was because I had like grown up in a religious family and had grown up... Um, in, a, in just a church environment to where you, when, you, when you hear people pray, like you can pretty much, like some people who literally, if you're like, some people may be here today and it's totally fine, but just learning to pray, like you watch and listen to other people around you and you know you're supposed to pray something in Jesus' name. And, and at my church, like it was a good old Baptist church down in Georgia. And like once they got to that phrase, the man would like lift his voice and just there was this tone that he took on, in Jesus' name, amen. And it just, that seemed to me to be a very important part of praying. So I remember as an adolescent praying about the girls that I wanted to date. <laughs> and I would just pray, God, I won't even mention their names. Because in my dreams, they listen to my podcast. Um, I'm just playing, <laughs> but because I'm a different person then, that's what I'm trying to say. I want them to know that I now know the Lord because it's embarrassing. I've got to move on, but I remember praying, God, I just want her to like me. I just want her to notice me. God, give me her as a girlfriend in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody ever been there before? And you're just praying. You, you may not have been there about a girlfriend, but where your prayer life 
is looking more like you rattling off a list of whatever in the world that you, you're just kind of throwing up a hope and a prayer. You just hope by praying something that God might do the very thing that you're talking to God that you want him to do. And you add in, in Jesus' name, amen. As some either religious activity or some guarantee that this prayer is going to be heard and answered. Anybody ever been there willing to admit that? I know that that marked a lot of my prayer journey. And I think what we've got to do together here at the start of this season is to really redefine like how we're approaching God in prayer. And to get out of this silly religious routine of just praying because we have to pray or adding on phrases like in Jesus' name, amen, because we somehow think that in that phrase is the power of prayer. We got to shake away some of the baggage of, of what we've done or have been taught or patterned or selfishly, sinfully have pursued and really be open to, to learn as we talked about last week, Lord, teach us to pray, to yearn with the disciples. Teach us. I mean, if you're listening to this, and Jesus is telling you he's, he's about to go to be with the Father, and you're listening to what he's saying, don't you long to understand what he means when he says this? I want you to come to me and ask of me, and ask in my name, and whatever you ask, you're, you're going to receive so that your joy may be full and the Father may be glorified. You know, yearn to experience this. Westminster Catechism says the chief purpose of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And Jesus is teaching us here in these prayers. If you, if you look back at the verses we just trailed, He's teaching us in these prayers. Look at verse, go back to chapter 14. And look at how he's teaching us to pray in verse 13 and 14. He's teaching us that prayer is a way for us to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Do you all hear that? What he's saying is, I want you to pray, not for your glory, but so that the Father may be glorified by answering the things that you're praying. I long for you to live for the glory of God. And then in verse 16, in chapter 16, those verses that we just read, verses 23 and 24, I want you to ask, and the Father will give it to you. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be full. Chief and a man, glorify God. Enjoy Him forever. And it, it, Jesus is inviting us into this place where we can experience a life that glorifies God and a life that is so satisfied in enjoyment of Him forever. So the question that we want to try to tackle today is what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name?
It's so much more than just a phrase on the end of a prayer. Jesus is teaching us about God's heart. And he's teaching us how to pray in such a way that as you pray, you can glorify the Father and experience deep, everlasting enjoyment in him. Teach us, Lord, to pray. There's a couple of things that I want to point out uh, to us this morning, and it won't take very long, but I ask that you be open to hear. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Well, the first thing that it means is this. It means to desire God above all else. To desire God above all all else. You know, just after the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray, he began to teach them how to pray. And the Lord's Prayer we'll get to in a few weeks. It's not meant to be a recitation type prayer. It's meant to teach us the way that we ought to pray. Nothing wrong with memorizing it and using it to pray to God, but listen to the heart our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus is inviting us to see that as we go into times of prayer, that our number one goal should not be to get things from God, but just to get God. Father, I'm, I'm coming to you today. <laughs> and there's things going on in my life, but, but I just want to tell you, God, that you're the best. <laughs> Everything that I need is in you. <laughs> Father, I, I really am so content just having you, <laughs> just having you in my life. Know that the name of God, hallowed be your name. We talked about this when we did the series, uh, Your Name, uh, recently, where we went through the names of God, but it's so much more than just the letters G-O-D or the letters J-E-S-U-S. The name is a reflection of his character, of his person. So what we're saying is, as we call on the name of Jesus, we're calling on who he is, his, his completely, his complete person, his character, his ways, his promises. We, we're reflecting on all that Jesus is. So when we come to God in prayer, our, our primary desire is a desire for God above all else. Psalm chapter 27, verse 4. The psalmist says, as he enters into the presence of God. And I just wonder, how many of us enter into prayer like this? He says, one thing I have asked of the Lord, one thing that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing I desire, 
I desire you, God. In my time communing with you, God, I desire to know more of you. We're going to talk about what it looks like to pray in the presence of God in coming weeks. But I need you today to hear the heart of God. As you come in prayer, desire me above all else. There's a proverb, chapter 30 in Proverbs. It's not listed on your screen, but I'll reference it. You can write it down. Maybe look at it later. We looked at it this past summer as we looked at the theology of work and what it looks like to really have a heart to desire God even as we pursue career and are okay with money and raises and things like that. But it says in chapter 30 of Proverbs, verses 7 through 9, he says, Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or, lest I be poor and still and profane the name of my God. What Proverbs 30 is trying to teach us is is that as we go to God and we pray in his name, our primary motivation, the only proper motivation in our prayer should be, God, I want more of you. I'm praying this, God, I have need, but God, I'm praying that you not answer in such a way that it makes me feel self-confident and sufficient in other things that I would walk away from you. But also, God, I am praying in such a way that helps me to remember that by your answer, you are still God, and you are still faithful, and you are still good, and you are still the one who, who could give me more than I need in who you are. What I'm longing for as I'm bringing myself to you is I'm just longing to stay content with you. I'm longing for you to answer in such a way that leads me to a deeper dependence upon who you are. Because who you are is more than I need. I think sometimes in our prayers, we get to a point where maybe our prayers are not effective because we're not praying with a deep satisfaction and contentment in who God is and what he's already done. Our prayers have to start with the realization that all that we need is in Jesus. Desiring God above all else, not wanting things from God, but just wanting more of God. Paul, if you look at his prayers, they're so interesting. All throughout the Bible, you look at Ephesians 1, Philippians 1, 
Colossians 1, Ephesians 3. <laughs> um, you look at these long prayers that Paul prays, and he's praying prayers for the church. And one of his primary prayers is, God, help them to know you better. Just help them to know you. I'm praying that you would give them more knowledge of you. I'm telling you, sometimes for us to know God better, it doesn't look like God giving us the things that we're asking for. <laughs> and I wonder if sometimes we, in our prayer life, we start from the wrong place. Instead of starting from the place of contentment, God is all that, God, you're all that I need. Hallowed be your name. We start from a place of discontentment because really he's not. For us to pray in Jesus' name, it looks like the way Jesus taught us to pray, we begin our prayers with a recognition that in his name is more than we need. <laughs> Does that make sense? In Jesus' name, I have more than I need. Desiring God above all else. Secondly, to pray in Jesus' name. Looks like praying because of God's grace. Praying because of God's grace. One of the things that I love about the phrase in Jesus' name. If you go to Hebrews chapter 4, and we look at verses 14 through 16. In the book of Hebrews, we see that the word tells us how it is that we even have the opportunity to pray. He says, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. What the writer of Hebrews is helping us to see is that God invites us near. He wants us to receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. But understand, you have to understand, as a person of God, as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus, you have to understand that every bit of your drawing near to God, every, every opportunity that God has ever given you to come to Him and to ask of Him and receive mercy and grace, all of it is possible only because of Jesus who he is and what he has done for you. 
your invitation into the throne room of God to commune with him and to ask of him in prayer is a blood-bought gift of your Savior. We are not worthy for that. We're not worthy to ask anything of his name. Jesus is worthy. Jesus is saying, I want you to ask in, in my name. And the reason that we ask in my name, we don't say in Barrett's name we pray. Amen. Because Barrett's name is nothing. We ask in Jesus' name. Why? Because he is our amazing and merciful Savior. He is our intercessor before the Father. By his life, his death, his triumph over the grave, we have access again to God. And everything that we can ever ask or receive from God is a gift that was purchased by our Savior, Jesus. We don't come to God in our righteousness. We come to God in the righteousness of our Savior. Sometimes I wonder if I'll just confess. Sometimes I go to God with self-confidence. It's been a good week, God. I'm going to pray this week, and I'm going to have a lot of confidence in praying. You ever start noticing when you have more confidence in praying and less confidence in praying? I wonder if sometimes our confidence in praying is tied to our performance instead of Christ. Where I pray when I'm good. When I've blown it, it's quite the opposite. See, to come to God in prayer looks like we are disregarding both our good performance and our bad performance. See, we come in the name of Jesus. We don't come because of our performance. We come because of Christ's performance for us. We don't come because of our goodness or our merit. We come on the basis of Christ's merit for, for us. See, we come to God in prayer. And it's all because of grace. It's nothing of us. It's all grace. The opportunity to approach God in prayer is all a gift of God because of his love and grace toward you in Jesus. Nothing is nothing of us. So I just wonder if you recognize as you're praying, you know, when you, you pray the prayers at dinner or you pray the prayers anytime you pray and you pray in Jesus' name, what I'm wondering is, is your heart connecting that this prayer is a prayer that can be prayed and a prayer that can be answered because of the grace of Jesus. This prayer doesn't rest on me. This prayer rests on my Savior. This prayer is not possible because of me. This prayer is possible because of my Savior. This prayer can be answered powerfully, not because of me, but because of the powerful work that my Savior did for me and the powerful work that he can still do when I trust him. You see? 
our hearts have to connect those things as we pray. We have to get out of the mindset that we're just tacking on the phrase to the end of the prayer. When you utter the words, in Jesus' name, amen, and please continue to pray that way, but I'm, I'm wondering what's happening in your heart. Are you just glossing the phrase because that's the phrase? Or is your heart genuinely saying, oh Jesus, everything I need is in you, and all I want is you. I'm just praying for more of you. <laughs> and secondly, the only way I'm praying this, God, is because of who you are and what you've done for me. It has nothing to do with me. I'm, I'm coming into the throne of the Father because you have covered me in your love and wrapped me in your grace. And you have provided righteousness for me. It is all you, Jesus. And I'm so thankful that I even have the invitation to come. I know that my coming is all because of you. You see? Is it just a phrase? Or is your heart in that place of recognition? Last, as we pray in Jesus' name, we're praying with a longing for God's will to be done. A longing for God's will to be done. what his disciples are being taught in John 14. If you believe in me, you're going to be a part of the things that I desire to do. He says in verse 12, whatever you ask in my name, these guys know Jesus. Okay? If you know, Caroline knows me. My daughter is four years old and she knows her daddy. She asked me, she comes to me and she says, Daddy, can I take the markers out of my art box and color the walls? <laughs> I'm going to say no. Why are you even asking me that, girl? You know that answer. We don't color on the walls at our house, right? Caroline has never asked me that question, by the way. <laughs> but I think it's because she knows her father. That's not even something she should ask me, because she knows me. <laughs> Silly example. But Jesus is saying, guys, you know me. Whatever you ask in my name, which means whatever you know is in alignment with my character, my desire, my purpose, my will. Whatever you, whatever you can confidently ask because you know me, ask it. Caroline comes to me and says, Daddy, can I eat dinner? <laughs> yes. I delight in providing for you, my daughter. Right? I don't say it like that. That's really formal. <laughs> Yes, my daughter. <laughs> but there's she has confidence. Daddy, can we snuggle? Oh, yes. <laughs> One of my favorite things, right? She knows me. Therefore, she knows how to come to me, and she knows how to ask of me. 
Jesus is saying, you guys, if you know me, that's what he's saying. Whatever you ask in my name, you know me. Whatever you know of me aligns with who I am and, and what I desire, my purpose in this world, you know me. Ask of me of the things you know of me. And whatever you ask, he says, I will do. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Do you, do you see? In, in, in 15, that verse that we read, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. In other words, you've got to understand if you're one with Jesus and you're longing for his will, his words are abiding in you and you're abiding in him, if this is your heart and desire, ask away because the Father delights to answer those kinds of prayers. Do you see? Think about the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is teaching us a posture of prayer, longing for the presence of God, basing all of our prayers in the, in the merits of Christ, and learning that in our request to to line those requests up with the will of the Father. Know who He is. Know what He desires. Know His will. And yearn to, to submit your prayers to the will of our good and perfect Father. Does that make sense? And do it in such a way. Do it in such a way that yearns for those prayers to be answered. Not just for your sake, but for the sake of the glory of God. In James chapter 4, verse 3, I read this verse not long ago, and when I read it, I went, oops. This is a key to understanding unanswered prayer. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. God, teach me to grow in my prayer life. And God looks at us, some of us, and says, you know what? Here's how you grow. Start praying for the pleasure of God. Start learning to pray, not my will, but yours be done. Start longing to see prayers answered. Not for your glory, but for the glory of God. What's your motive in prayer? Is your motive to desire more of God? to appreciate more of Christ, to see more of his will accomplished. That's what he's saying to his disciples. You know me. Yearn to know me more. And yearn to live in your prayer life in a way that as you come to me, you already know my answer is yes.
not for your sake, although I want your joy to be full, but for the glory of God. As we close this morning, I'm just going to ask that you really consider where you are in relation to your prayer journey and God's desire for you. I, uh, I really believe that as we journey through this season of yearning for more desperation and dependence on the Lord, we've got to do some serious evaluation. We've got to repent of ways that we have prayed in our life previous or even in our life now that are just not the heart of God for us. And I really believe that in this phrase, in Jesus' name, amen, there's a lot for us to learn. I'm wondering this morning if, uh, if you've been in a place as you've prayed um, where this phrase has just been a tack-on phrase at the end of your prayer life. Or if it's really been infused with the depth of meaning that God intends for it to have. I don't know that Jesus wanted us to tack on that phrase to every prayer. But honestly, I'm glad that we do. Because it comes straight from what he asked. But it's so much more than just tacking on a phrase. It's understanding his intention and how he's inviting us to approach him. Do you, do you pray in such a way that your primary longing is for more of God? Like Proverbs, where, you, where you're like, you know, God, I, I want this answered, but the thing I want the most is just like, I want to grow closer to you. Is that how you pray? One thing I long after, to dwell in the house of the Lord, to be closer to my God. Maybe this morning, that's a place of repentance that's needed for you. Maybe as you evaluate this morning, you recognize, you know, I don't start my prayer life with a recognition that all I ever want and need is already found in what he has given me and who he is. And maybe this morning you just need to repent and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that every prayer jumps into all the list of things that I want and need that I think are going to make me happy when really you're the one that I want and need. All that you provided is already more than enough. Help me, Lord. I'm sorry. Help me just to approach you knowing that Your grace is sufficient. And longing for just more of you, no matter how you answer, I just want more of you. Maybe your area of repentance this morning is just recognizing that you've been basing your prayers more on your performance than on Christ's performance for you. Your confidence in praying is more related to how well you think you're doing with God how deserving you are in a particular moment for those prayers to be heard and answered. 
And this morning, maybe Jesus is calling you to repent of that and to remember that every prayer prayed and every prayer answered is only prayed and answered because of the work of Jesus. It has nothing to do with you. It has all to do with Jesus. And just to rest your prayer life in the grace and love of God. Maybe your area of repentance and growth is needed in this last thing we've talked about. Longing for your will above God's will. How submissive are you? Are you asking things that you can ask confidently because you know the one you're asking? This is, aligns with his character. This aligns with his heart. This aligns with his will, his purposes, his desires. Or are you just asking because it's just what you want? And maybe this morning God's saying, listen, you're going to ask in my name. You're going to ask according to who I am and what I desire. That's the invitation this morning. For your joy and for my glory, ask according to my will. So let's just move into a posture of prayer. And I'm going to ask our prayer counselors to come up front, just as we did last week. This is our time to just spend time with God and to really evaluate. Let, let the Holy Spirit convict us of sin and lead us to a place of deeper intimacy with Him. There's prayer counselors that are coming to the front this morning, and there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that is too small, too big to come forward to pray about. If there are specific things that you feel convicted about this morning, you just need to talk to somebody about those, have somebody pray with you about some specific things going on in your life. That's why we're here. Just come and pray. Let's long together to learn to pray in Jesus' name. Not in a way that we just go through that phrase, but in a way that we really connect, our hearts connect with what we're really praying. God, I desire you. God, I rest in your grace. God, I submit to your will. Let's spend some time praying. Come as you feel led to pray this morning as God moves. Father, we invite you.